Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all of its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. How's everybody doing? Good. Y'all look great. Y'all vegan? What y'all doing out here? Plant-based stuff? You know, I'm just messing with y'all. So let me jump into this real quick. Um, let me pray myself in or pray us in. All right. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, God. We just thank you for this time together. We thank you for the Ville Church. Um, God, we pray that you would inhabit this message this morning as you've already inhabited our praise. Um, your word, Father, Lord, we ask that you help us decrease, that you would increase. So even in the middle of my sermon, overpower it, decrease whatever needs to be decreased, increase, give me grace to be able to preach this word um, and, that, uh, and serve everybody in this room with it. And I pray for us to be edified and... Uh, and more like your son Jesus in the middle of us doing this, Father. So we praise you and we just thank you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into it. I feel like I might have a long one, so I'm going to try to move a bit quick on it and stuff. Um, so as most of y'all know, I've been out sick for like three weeks. And it's been a brutal one, right? It's been one of the ones where I'm just like, when is this going to go? You know what I'm saying? Connie texted me one day and she was just like, Jay, it's going to be all right. You're going to feel normal again. And it was the right on time because I was just like, what does it feel like to be normal? You know, when you be sick and you just like, I don't even know what it feels like to feel normal no more. And so it was just a lingering virus. It wasn't COVID anything, but it just wouldn't go away and wouldn't shake or whatever. And so many of you were here the week before last um, following the uh, shooting that happened at uh, EWC and at the um, Dollar General over there. And so I was supposed to preach that morning. I wasn't able to make it in, so I wrote in a letter, um, hit Tony at 6 a.m., as all pastors like to get surprised with, and uh, said, hey, I can't make it today, so I need you to uh, do something about it, right? And so Tony, being as gracious, all right, brother, you know I got what, let's roll with it. Let's think through it. You know, he's never scared of anything. He's my man or whatever, right? And so, but the... Um, I'm so grateful for what he did that morning because I got a call from a lot of y'all that talked about the discussions that took place during that time, if you were here, and it was really encouraging, but more so than anything, just even know that we're a church that could pivot and stop and do that, right? Um, that everything isn't about protocol and the show has to go like this right here. It's like, no, we need to stop and actually talk and work through this, right? So, um, so uh, being sick was... A peculiar place to be in the middle of all of that happened and it was peculiar because um, in these moments I usually go running to stuff right and so I was getting the phone calls from people and they're like hey Pastor Jay we want you to come speak we want you to come to this rally we want you to come pray and be a part of this thing and um, and God knows I wanted to but I literally couldn't and so it made me have to lay back and just kind of watch um, and and, and, and because I just was watching, I think kind of the intimacy of dealing with what it is and what it was and, and has been just a different perspective. You know, rolling over half sleep, looking at a headline, then rolling back, thinking through it, processing, and wanting to get up and do something, but not being able to like, no, you have to sit and watch. Um, you know, one of the things that I found profound in it all was how quickly we move on. 
And so, you know, we've been in, the fir- in First John, and we're in the, <laughs> we've been in it forever. It's not that big of a book, but for our church or whatever. And our rhythms, we make it go half a year. And so we're towards the end. And so I'm like, man, I want to finish this thing and get to another thing. But um, I didn't want to move on. I just don't want to move on. So I wanted to talk about um, what happened this morning. But so uh, what happened a couple of weeks ago. So Jonathan, if you could just put some of these pictures up. I, w- I, want, you to, I want you to see some of the stuff. Um, I thought this was really interesting. This was really grieving for me, right? Um, floor, front page. I'm black, so I'm, I'm a professional. I feel like I'm a scholar when it comes to microaggressions. You can debate me if you want to, but so this shooting garners a slither on the side next to Orange Park Teen takes on fellow ninjas. We have three killed, and we have three black silhouettes over here. Um, I know some of these people who write these articles. I know some of us may be, but I'm not naive to the depths of evil people work through to undermine people, to dehumanize them. I have a problem with it. You go to the next one. We eventually did get on the front page of the paper. You can go to the next one. And you see, we have the victims here. Angela Carr, AJ, and Gerald. These are the three people that were killed just because of the color of their skin. Go to the next one. What, what about my, uh, the, the blood tribe? You don't got the blood tribe? See if you can find the blood trap real quick. You'll, you'll know when you see it just off the name. Um, so September 3rd, um, there was a, a tribe of Nazis in the front of Disney. They called themselves the blood tribe Nazis. And so you have this happening, and then the follow-up on it is... And they, they look like out of they look like orgs out of Lord of the Rings or something. Like these these brothers don't look too nice or whatever, right? And before you go into Disney, this is what you have to be greeted by. Y'all get where I'm coming from? This is not normal, right? It's not normal at all. Um, but yeah, I was when I normally when I go into Bowl Bean, there's a uh, this older gentleman that's a journalist that I talk to all the time. And um, ironically, the other day I went in there and we, was, we were talking about um, this massacre, right, and what happened. But we had been there about five months ago, me and him talking, and we were talking about the divisiveness, the racism, the hatred in politics, right? And this kind of complete um, abandonment of civil conversation, right? Like, we ain't gotta be on the same side, but like, if you can't talk to each other like humans and debate like humans, all is gone, right? And, and, and he was kind of grieving that being the case. And uh, we both said, man, it feels like our city is ripe for a shooting. And he said, I can't believe something hasn't happened. And we talked the other day and we were like, man, how it's so unfortunate that 
that actually was a true statement when we said it, right? Um, you know, but he talked about going down to um, um, Edward Waters College and, you know, when they had national press and seeing some of his old colleagues that are national, national journalists and um, he said he was just surprised that some of them were packing up already. Like he was just like, this stuff, he's not even a believer, but he was grieving it, right? He was just like, it doesn't even warrant front page, right? It, it doesn't even get the time. And so I just have been thinking about that and thinking about like what mourning is for us as believers. Like how are we supposed to carry mourning when the world is changing in the way that it carries um, mourning, right? Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this. By the way, if you have your Bibles with you um, or if you're working off your phone or however you're moving and grooving, we're going to be inside of Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3 is the main text. I'm going to be all over the place, but that's the main text we're hitting. But 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Do y'all see that? Anybody feel like we're in that? I mean, does that feel off to you? Like, you're like, what are you talking about? That's not what the word, does that, I'm just saying, it feels like we've landed there. When I got to go see the bloodthirsty or whatever, the blood tribe Nazis on my way in Disney with my kids, I think we've arrived. What you, wouldn't you say? I just want to get on Space Mountain. And, and, and this thing is a small world and get on the teacups or whatever, but I got to see the blood tribe first, right? We've arrived. I think the conversations that I had from last week, a lot of people were, as they were processing, a lot of the conversation landed around like, what do we do, right? Like, it's like, what do we do? And then, um, then there's some people who are 100% mad at God, right? Um, where's God at in it all? And so that's what I want to attempt to work through um, and whatnot. Good morning. I don't mean good morning. The name of this text, the name of this message is good morning. What does it look like to do good morning, right? So if you read in Luke 4, we see Jesus coming off of 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, right? Fasting, praying, being attacked by Satan trying to tempt him to fall, right? So Jesus perseveres during this time, and um, he perseveres during this time, and then he goes, and he goes on the Sabbath, and he goes into the temple. And when he goes in the temple, he asks for the scroll, and he opens the scroll, and he reads it loud to everybody inside of the synagogue, right? And so where he was reading from was actually Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and I want, you, I want to read to you what this says. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. In Luke, he stops at, um, I believe, to comfort all who mourn. Um, and then verse 3, it says this, as Isaiah expounds, it says, um, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'm going to tell you this right here. Good morning requires understanding where God stands for us to better understand where his children stand in the midst of mourning, right? We have to understand what God is actually doing. Where is God at first, right? That's why you plant your feet is knowing where God is at, right? So in this text when we're reading, what Jesus is saying when he reads this in Luke, he's saying, I'm it. He reads it. He's not reading it about somebody else. He's saying, I'm the answer. He's saying, I'm the one that's anointed. I'm the one who's been sent, right? I'm reading this text. After he finishes reading the text in the synagogue, he goes, today this is fulfilled in your ears. Like, you, you, you get where I'm coming from? He's saying, that thing, that mourning, that grief, that thing that you've been looking for, answer for, that bewilderment, he's saying, I'm the answer to that. Y'all get where I'm coming from? He's like, I got that. What I want you to know today is that God has not just been waiting in the balance. If we read our text, if we stop looking outside and all the things that people are saying and everything else or whatever, and I understand we talk like we talk when we're in pain and when we're going through stuff, but as believers, we have to look through the word of God. And when you look through the word of God, you see that God is not just sitting in the balance, just chilling, watching, right? We read and we look in the Old Testament, split the Red Sea to free his people after they had been in bondage in 400 years, for 400 years. They were mourning and he shows up. He goes inside of the, he, he, he delivers Daniel from the lion's den. He jumped in the fire with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He wept with Mary and Martha for their brother Lazarus. One of the most beautiful things we see in our text that we know, it's on all our Hallmark cards, right? Our Christian cards. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he sees our circumstances. He sees that we stand before him in a crooked, corrupt world, mourning what we see, but he also deals with the man in the mirror, dealing with our own corruption, right? In jeopardy of perishing without a savior. So God has been sit not sitting in the balance. He sent an answer. He works in the full narrative of things in, the, in, in thousands of years ago the same way he does right now. He sends his son. A sacrifice we can't even comprehend. We can't quantify. We have no concept for his holiness and him wearing our sin and paying the cost for us. When you read this text and you look at the way he's talking, he says, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I've come to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. 
he's doing two things. He has a gavel in one hand and he has salvation and healing in the other. Y'all see that in the text? We see it best when we think about the thief on the cross, right? You have Jesus hanging as the sacrifice, payment, right? For all of our sins. And he has one thief on one side and he has the other thief on the other side. And one is mocking him. Though he's rightfully in the place he should be. But he mocks the Lord. The other says, I'm supposed to be up here. I know what I've done. You get where I'm coming from? He says, Lord, have mercy on me. And we see at that moment, he says, today you'll join me in paradise. The other one doesn't work out for him like that. They're both in the same circumstance. They're both in the same condition, right? One mourns his own sin. He sees himself, right? And so he, I'll, I'll take that hill anointment. I'll take salvation. The other one is pride. Doesn't care. He doesn't see it. Y'all with me so far? He's a holy judge. But he's ultimately merciful. He's always been in it. He's still in it. He's eternally in it, right? He sees our pain. He carries our pain. As holy as he is, he wore our transgressions and our judgment. He's not an onlooker. And look at who he's talking about in the text. The poor. The brokenhearted. Those in captivity. Those who are bound. Those who mourn. This is what I want you to know, because this is what was landing on me while I was in this purgatory, so to speak, being sick and just kind of watching everything, and why I wouldn't just go to something else this Sunday, right? For the believer, mourning is what it is for us. If you live in this world, and are not of this world, but of the kingdom of God, then there's no other outcome but mourning for you. Let me give it to you. I know they were overran with all the cute stuff in life and everywhere we need to be and all these different things. And but if you mourn, if you are in this place where you're grateful, Right? I look at my kids and I'm so grateful for them. But I also know mothers whose kids have been killed and they don't have answers. And they've been grieving for years. When I showed up to them years ago, when I see them now, the pain is exactly the same. Do you get where I'm coming from? Nothing's changed. They, they're grieving. They want answers, they want justice. Right? They're grieving. The mourning is continuous. They, I don't. Suppose that they will ever leave this earth in the, in the morning. It may change, but it's not going to disappear. Do you get where I'm coming from? Our privilege allows us so much, but one of the things that it allows us is not live in reality. Right? We can drive in and out of circumstances. We can get a break when we need to. Right? 
there are kids locked in cages around the world today. I don't always know how we're supposed to carry that, right? How do, how do you get along in life or whatever, right? I'm just, I'm just being transparent. Like, that messes with my mind. But, like, how do you get along in life? I got my own babies I got to sit in front of and love and hug and hold dear, right? So broken. We can go 50 million directions with the level of evil that surrounds us. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I mean, if y'all think I'm exaggerating, somebody just throw, throw a chair at me. All right. you're a believer you see we went through first John and he said if you love the world then you the love of the father is not in you right saying you don't have eyes to see what it is God gives us good things in the middle of this ugly world but he still when he saves us he brings us to awareness right so mourning is this thing, but mourning is a blessed place to be. And this is what I want you to know this morning. It's Matthew 5, 1 through 11. It's the Beatitudes. I'm going to read to it. Read through it, right? I'm actually starting too. It says, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who mourn, and in their heart, they're like, God, this is a wreck. Do you understand? Feel it in their gut. Don't always know the answer, but feel it in their gut, right? It says, blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I know that grief is perplexing, but as God's people, we have to find footing in it. And part of it is accepting that it's identity for us, so we don't squirm and run from it. Mourning is what comes with it. It's one of the things that open our eyes to it. When I was lost, I could run up in your crib and empty everything out and not care nothing about your kids, what I took from them, or anything that came. I didn't feel anything for anybody. Do you understand? When I got saved, it's 20 years later, I still weep for things I did to people because my heart became alive. The Holy Spirit woke up my dead soul, caused me to mourn. But it also, at the same time, produces this fruit where it goes, God, I can't believe you save a wretch like me. Thank you. It goes into my praise when we sing praise in the morning. It goes into the way that I serve other people. When you give me a compliment, it goes into the compliment because I'm like, my God, I can't believe somebody just said something good about me. Do you understand? Mourning is a part of our identity, and we are blessed to have eyes to see. You understand? We don't dip our toe in the pool. We 
swan dive into that baby. You understand? And God is in it like he's always been in it. In Psalms 56, 7, David says this. He says, do not let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, oh God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. As you mourn, God counts it precious. Your tears are collected. They are an exclamation point that the spirit of God is moving and grooving in your soul. And I know we want to shake it off and not feel it. And it's easier to maybe just go ahead and like binge watch, you know what I'm saying? Like Silo on Apple TV. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there, whatever. It was a little plug. But you get where I'm coming from, right? It's so easier. To, it's easier to get lost in the sauce rather than feel it. I like to medicate too, but what I'm telling you is, Feeling it is a part of our inheritance. It's who we are. We lose our salt if we stop feeling it, right? And when something loses its flavor, what good is it? Right? Y'all with me so far? So God isn't just sitting in nowhere land doing nothing. All of this is expedient for us and for his glory, right? And it's expedient for others. And I'm going to get into that. So, we are blessed. Mourning is our posture. It is our inheritance. It is a gift from God. And God sees us in it, right? He jumps into it. He is present the same way he was present with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I'm jumping in the fire with you, right? So, there's always... What do we do? What do we do with all this? You know, I saw so many posts where people are like, yo, we need to do something more than all the praying and all of that, whatever and stuff. You understand? Like, y'all want to pray everything to death or whatever. We need to get the action. Y'all see those posts? You get where I'm coming from? Y'all might post this time over. Yeah. <laughs> and though I don't agree, I 100% agree with the sentiment, right? People are saying, miss me with all the praying and like do something, right? I get where they're coming from. But let's talk about where the word of God comes from. Philippians 6 says this, 4-6, it says, do not be anxious about anything. But in prayer and by in uh, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God's people are praying people. They're praying people, but they're also people of action. Right. So I'm elaborate on that a little bit. We are praying people. Most people stop short there and they just, oh, my God, that's a mess, Lord. And let's throw a prayer on it. Sometimes that's all you can do. And when it's all you can do, you do what you can do. You get where I'm coming from? But God calls us to actually pray about the things that we see. You get where I'm coming from? And in prayer, we're able to pray the word. We're able to find closeness to God. We're able to, if we need to be angry and scream, we can do that. 
if we need to confess that we feel shame because we feel like we haven't been, whatever we need to talk to God about, we can lay it before him in prayer. When we are bewildered and we don't have answers, we can ask for God to tell us what to do in prayer, right? Prayer is, it's good for our mental health. It really is. But most people feel like they have to do this kind of sanctimonious kind of dance with God, right? And come posture themselves. But prayer is where you get to completely be as raw and real as a mess that you, you need to be. As I thought about this situation that happened and I was praying about it, I was very angry. That's my go-to emotion. It's just angry. And when I'm usually angry, I'm not very good at articulating what I feel. So my counselor's always like, I think I told you all this before, he's like, Jay, anger is not sinful until it becomes sinful. And it usually becomes sinful when it goes unprocessed. Because up under it is usually something that you actually value that you're angry about that is actually righteous, right? It feels like there's a civil race, like a race war coming. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I'm just expressing my feelings. That's what it feels like it's drumming up. That's what the blood tribe is calling for in front of Disney, right? Concerned for my family. I'm concerned for my kids. When I go in coffee shops or whatever and stuff, sometimes I have, I'm just be real, sometimes I'm drinking my coffee and I have a gun very close to me because I don't feel comfortable, right? I know that God saved me, covers my sins, and to die is to be closer to God. But I mean, sometimes I don't like having to even process that under these circumstances. I'm angry about that. Why do I have to work through this while I'm going to get a cup of coffee, right? Why do I have to use so much energy to be so vigilant and watch my children? Because it's not only that they could just trip and hurt themselves, but they can actually get killed. My son makes money going to my neighbors and doing so many like chores for him, cutting yards, painting fences. Every time he goes to actually solicit business, I'm scared to death. You understand? I have to pray about these things. I find comfort talking to God about it. I find peace when I slow down. This anxious thing of like, do not be anxious about anything is not saying that what's in front of you is not important. It's saying to slow it down and come before the Lord for the best thing, right? Don't let the anxiousness have its way with you. Bring it to the Lord. Let God put healing ointment on that anger. Let God help you work through it. So as I begin to pray about my anger, I started working through some of it. You understand? To get to why I'm angry. There's, there's people dead just going to the store. If they wouldn't have stopped this guy 
at Edward Waters College, if the security didn't catch them, how many more people would have been dead? This guy in Orange Park, wherever he's from, literally thought to himself, hmm, where is there a bunch of black people at? Oh, we have a HBCU right in town. I'll drive there to go murder and kill. So we have to pray. Pray for ourselves, pray for the victims, right? Another thing about this all is vagueness contributes to apathy, right? So a lot of times we go, this is crazy. I don't quite know what to do. And then we leave it. Would y'all agree with that? That's how it works for me. God called for us to pray and do something. Good morning leads to good works. But it's a process you have to engage in. And that process always starts with prayer, right? The other day, um, surprisingly, I got this phone call from one of our people in Congress, right? And they needed to rent my van. And I was, you know, it was Friday, and it was for the funeral of one of the victims. And they're like, hey, Jay, we need to meet your van or whatever. I just had somebody who rented it, and they apparently had a dog, and there was dog hair everywhere. And I was just like, yo, joining, it ain't, the, the truck ain't trucking right now. We, we out, right? And then they go, oh, man, I needed it for one of the victims. We didn't know they had eight kids or whatever, right? And so I instantly said, and like, you know, I've been sick, and I just started moving, and everything is so behind, and I'm like, finally breathing and feeling human. So I'm trying to get to it. I'm trying to win that day. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, you what? It's for who? I said, yeah, when do you need it? It's like 9.15 or like 10 a.m. I was like, excuse me, what, 10 today? And they're like, yeah. So I said, all right, come get it. I run, I'm vacuuming faster than I've ever in my life. I'm trying to get the dog here or whatever. I'm in there, I'm doing my thing or whatever and stuff. And I get back, I'm sweating and stuff. I got stuff to do already or whatever. And I get back home and right, and I'm getting this, all the stuff out of the back of it. And then they call me and they go, Jay, we found something that was closer, right? I fixed my mouth to complain. And I just felt like God stopped me. It's like, nah, yo. This is just a fire drill. You want to know what you do? You stay ready to serve and do the work that God has called you to do. I thank God for it. It's nice. Ain't nothing to complain about. You need to have your heart ready to move, ready to push some things that may seem important to you out of the way to respond. You get what I'm saying? Your heart locked and loaded. This is why mourning is the place we live. Not in indifference, not in apathy, not in la-la land, medicating ourselves to sleep. Mourning is our inheritance because it keeps us locked and ready to rock for good works. Y'all with me so far? We look in the Bible and we look at Nehemiah, who's in the king's castle, and he hears word that his people 
that their home is destroyed. The walls are broken down. They are out here looking a mess, naked in front of everybody exposed. He mourns. He prays. And then he takes action and he goes back to rebuild the wall. Right? Y'all read the scripture before. He doesn't just pray, my God, yo, chilling in here next to the king, eating these beautiful grapes. And my heart is so heavy, I'm just going to pray for him back there. He like literally like leaves out of his comfort to go be the answer. That thing that Jesus says in the text when he says, I've come to bring, uh, hold on real quick, let me get to it, let me get to it. When he talks about comforting those who mourn. Good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty, captives, right? To open the prison for those who are bound, to um, grant those who mourn. He says to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. When you mourn, they will put ashes on their head. He's like, I'm about to switch your whole top up. I'm about to put something else on, right? But he's, he calls us to do that. So it's not just praying, it's going to respond. We're his children. The word tells us to do what he does. You get where I'm coming from? So it doesn't stop it just saying a prayer. In prayer, we can go deep and we can ask God for what do we actually do. And Nehemiah does this thing. He mourns. He prays. He responds. Ephesians 2 says this, it says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, listen to this, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to, for, in advance for us to do. It's your calling. The morning is your calling. It's your identity. The good works is your identity, Right? I'm trying to help you with this vagueness that leads to apathy. And, and the answer is knowing who you are as a believer. You are called to lean in to the morning. You are called to actually respond with good works, right? I'm not saying neglect your mental health. We all have to have balance. So I'm not calling for foolishness, but I am calling for posture, lifestyle, being ready. You understand? Philippians 2, 3 says this, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Matthew 7, 12, y'all listen to these texts because this is the lock, this is the, this is the, this is everything right here. It says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them to do for this, do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Y'all all heard that before, the golden rule, right? Once again, it's one of those things we throw on our Hallmark cards or whatever, and we're very nonchalant about. But it's everything. It's everything, right? When you are trying to figure out what you do, what you do is you stop and you actually become that person in that circumstance. You allow your mind to go there. It says esteem others higher than yourself, right? So you maybe even treat them better than you would treat yourself, right? What are the victims' kids going through right now? 
What can you do about it? Perhaps you can find somebody and say, hey, listen, we, can, can we send you to the movies, to a theme park? What, what would be good for you? Can we cover that, right? Now you have an actual thing to do, right? Now you, now you just, man, I, I, I would want somebody to help my kids find some kind of relief in the midst of this. I would want somebody to help put smiles on their faces. Maybe you talk to them like, what's your financial situation? Like, how, how y'all doing with bills? You just got hit with this. What, how do you, yeah, we're we going to cover your mortgage for the next six months. You don't need to think about that. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Becoming them. Becoming them. The other week or whatever, <clears throat> I was on a block with a guy. And I don't say this to boast at all. I was on the block with a guy and we were talking. It was, two, it, was, it, it, was, it was me and it was another pastor. And we were talking to this dude on the block. And he's asking us all these questions about being a Christian and everything else or whatever. And he's like, yo, how's this working? This and that. And so we're kind of going through it. And, and I was telling him, I, I spoke about this text because I was telling him how me and Lana had bought groceries for this lady. Did I tell you all this already? And so... You know, it was a lady or whatever, and she was outside. This is when it was super hot, and she's sitting with a baby outside, and they, I'm dripping sweat, right? I'm out here, Niagara Falls out here or whatever, right? And she's with the baby, and so I send Lana in, and I go, Lana, you go in, you know what I'm saying, with her or whatever, and, and get the groceries. I forgot to tell Lana there's a limit. Because <laughs> I know how this thing works. You have to be like, yo, I got you for a hot $75, all right? You danced, you got... $5 over, it's $5 under. What you go get what you need, right? Lana tells us. So I, it's taking a while. I go in the store. Basket is like, they, they can barely even move it. I'm like, oh my God. So we get to the front. A couple hundred dollars or whatever, right? But long story short, I'm telling the guy about it. And he's like, man. It's like, it's crazy. Like, man, why would you do that? And I said, and I read read this scripture to him and I said because I looked at the baby and I said if I was that baby what would I want somebody to do to me right now I looked at the lady and she tried to she was running like scams on me right like yeah I got to get this this and that I didn't care because at the end of the day you only sitting in the sun like this if you really really need something maybe you think a scam is the way to get it but as a human you need food, which is why you are scamming for food. So who cares about the scam? Girlfriend, you need food. You get where I'm coming from? I would hope somebody would look past all of that to get to the heart of the matter. I'm starving. So we get her food. She doesn't have a ride to get home with all of this stuff. She's got the stroller. I'm like, girlfriend, pack, just put it in the van. Put it in the van. We go to her apartment, all her kids come out. And they are so excited and they were the sweetest kids. And she's, she is barking at them like, I told y'all to be out here waiting or whatever, this and that, come on, get these groceries. And they're just going back and forth or whatever. And they're like, yo, thank you so much for like bringing us this food and they're so happy. And I told Lana, I said, she went out to go get her baby's food today. Like, she's barking at him because she's, like, proud. She's proud. Like, she's like, I don't care what you feel about how she goes about doing it. She's like, I had to go get my baby's food by any means 
necessary, right? So we look and pass all the other stuff. It's a human. She has babies at home. She needs food, right? It's the scripture. It's not, it's not my goodness. The text guides us and leads us. This is what I'm telling you about even as we talk about mourning and we're saying, what do we do? How do we do? It's inside of the scripture. That's what I want somebody to do if I need food. If I'm outside in the sun, a hundred and something degrees with a baby, God knows, I know she knows that baby shouldn't have been there, but I know she also knows how cold hearted people are and they may not even respond if the baby wasn't there. Cause the fact of the matter is I probably wouldn't have if the baby wasn't there. Do you understand? This is our key for what we do. You esteem others higher than yourself, right? After you mourn and after you pray, you stay ready, and you stay ready by you. You apply the scripture to the people in front of you. It gives you the answers. You don't have to be bewildered about what to do anymore. You have to have a heart that's ready to sacrifice your time, your resources, because it's your identity. It's what you were made to do. This last thing, and I'm going to end up with this right here. One of my homeboys sent me this scripture that I haven't talked to in a long time. He sent this to me today, and I just wanted to read it. Um, It's 1 Corinthians 2, and it says this. It says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with, the, with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in power of God. Let me tell you what's happening in this text. I bring this up. Me and my son were having this conversation in Tallahassee yesterday. We were talking to somebody and we were talking about that thing where like people, you know, they're going through stuff and like, you know, you don't know what to say all the time. Right. Y'all been there before you like, I don't even know what to say in this. Once again, when it's vague, we become indifferent or we just don't engage. We can't allow that. God has called us to something better than that, right? But it's logical that that feeling happens. But what Paul is saying right here, if somebody, if somebody has the right to moonwalk into a situation and talking kind of lofty and heavy and hard, it's Paul, right? But what Paul is saying, I didn't come into your situation because the Corinthians are going through hard times in this text. He doesn't come in moonwalking like big bad Paul is here. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my message was not plausible in words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He's like, I didn't come in and posture myself like I know more than you. I'm smarter than you. Which he probably actually is. But that's not how he entered the situation. This should give us all relief. Because what's not required of you is for you to show up in the middle of people's grief, trauma, hardship, and act like you know 
all of the answers. Right? I've had to call some of y'all before in this room and apologize after you've called and asked me for help because I'm in work mode and then I get off the phone, I'm like, I was trying to problem solve. They didn't need a problem solve. They just needed me to be in the situation with them. Some of y'all got that call. Hey, forgive me. I was, I was you got some serious stuff going. I was moving fast. It's treating you like a task on a, on a list. I was trying to figure out and solve it. Paul is showing us right there. Sometimes people just need a hug. Sometimes they just need an ear for somebody to listen to, right? Sometimes they just want you to just be there with them and sit in it, right? It takes a tremendous amount of pressure, and it lets you always know what to do. Just show up. Just be present. Pray. Ask God what to do, right? I'm always in situations I don't know what in the heck to do. And God shows up, right? Or one of y'all say something, I'm like, that's it right there. It's, it's not going to always come from within you. It's what we're a community for. You understand? So, good morning leads to good works. Let's uh, stand and pray. And we're going to take communion as we worship.